Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiot man-children who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crap all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder one podcast at a time. Welcome to Magnificently Huge. Hey everyone, this is the Magnificently Huge Podcast with a question for you. Have you played Atari today? No, of course you haven't. Uh, almost no one has, but we have, and we're going to talk about it. Originally, Eric suggested we do a show on video games, and then we realized, wow, that's a much bigger topic than a single show, so we're going to break it down and do a show on the early history of video games and the Atari 2600. Uh, we did have some technical issues, there's some noise when, on Chris's mic, and we're sorry about that, we'll fix it for the next show. And also, I just tend to ramble and talk a lot about this subject, I'm kind of a big dork, and so hopefully you find what I have to say informative and entertaining. Anyway, you can reach out to us, we are on Twitter, at MagHuge, we are on Facebook, at facebook.com slash magnificentlyhuge, we're on Tumblr as magnificentlyhuge, and you can email us, magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. We are trying to build our listenership, so we would really appreciate it if you go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, leave us a glowing review, give us five stars. Honestly, do you really care if you think it's worth five stars or not? Of course you don't. You bothered to listen to this, you can hear my voice. That means you probably know me, Chris, or Eric anyway, so just, you know, help a buddy out, give us a good review, and let's see if we can make listening to this show a less lonely experience for you. So, go downstairs to your wood-paneled basement, Curl up on the couch, get up off the couch, fiddle with the cord behind the rabbit ears, try to get rid of the interference, sit back down, and enjoy episode 11 of the Magnificently Huge podcast where we're talking Atari. Okay, everybody, so we're back to another fast and exciting and, and, and furious and, and fateful and furious, fast and furious. Get on with it then. Magnificently Huge podcast. Uh, <laughs> today, we're talking about something other than movies. We're talking about video games, yeah. particularly the ones from the Atari 2600 4-bit. Everybody walks into the room and goes, hey, what's that new neat thing? Because no one's ever seen anything on TV but TV before. So this is fully a Generation X show now. Yeah, this because, is uh, big-time nostalgia. Up, yeah. to, up to about 80, 83-ish, I guess, is what we're doing. Yeah. Here. The hipsters talk about 8-bit, but, like, they don't even know. No. Yeah. No, this is even worse. It's, like, as bad as you think NES was, this was, mm, I guess, twice as bad because it had half the memory. Oh, not even half. The Atari 2600 had 128 bytes of memory. Ah. Bytes. That bites. bites. That bites. Yes. Uh, yeah, but, well. Yeah, so I'm revealing myself as, as the uh, former... Uh, video game professional slash giant fucking nerd. Yeah. Uh, so I'm probably going to talk a lot. Okay. I was going to say, how many systems do you own? But we can get into that as we roll. All of them. All of the <laughs> systems. <laughs> it, actually, not all of them, but I have a significant uh, significant museum in my living room. Okay. Right. So, uh, so this is a show essentially about Atari. I think it's a nice change of pace because the last three episodes have all centered on the filmographies of various indi uh, individuals. Yeah. 
And, yeah, uh, we've been going very old school, very early 80s anyway, so yeah. may as well cover something other than movies. It's a good palate cleanse because I think I kind of uh, lost my shit a little bit on the Quentin Tarantino last week, so uh, <laughs> I think you, I need... You know what I think is a good palate cleanse? What's that? The fresh shit. <laughs> this shit is fresh! Oh, shit, that is fresh. Yeah, so yeah, this is our, uh, our recap of uh, the last week in our entertainment worlds media consumption right so uh eric Eric, you're you're hosting so go ahead you can lead well i'll tell you what i i saw i was telling brian about this yesterday when i thought we were recording uh (laughs) that was fun that startled me (laughs) frankly i was uh, getting getting into something and i was like oh shit yeah i i and i've been watching uh what I think is, and listening to some good stuff, frankly, I've gotten back into garbage. I've been listening to them a lot. Oh, uh, yes. Been watching uh, Preacher, which is fucking awesome. Yeah, but new season's I, good. What I need to mention is something that came out 12 years ago that everyone else was laughing at, and I just sort of went, whatever. And now I'm watching it going, this is so awful. It's crazy awesome. <laughs> uh, R. Kelly's Trapped in the Closet. Oh my god! <laughs> Holy fuck! And Is it because I, like, he's got a, like a like a sex cult now? He's got people uh, trapped in his mansions. No, it's because it's because they, it's like they're they're five minute episodes, and they all go the same way. It's the same background music. It's the same, you know. So I went to lock the door. See, so now I'm reaching out to lock the door. There's the door. I'm going to lock the door. And he's like, like repeating the same thing over and over. And it's like the most like banal situations punctuated with. Uh, and then I found a condom in the bed. And now I got to, you know, yell at my woman, bitch, what you doing? <laughs> you know, and it's like, wow, this is so fucking crazy. It's like, it's like, it's like basically the guy had a career for like 10, 15 years, amassed all this cash so that one day he could have the most insane coke fueled idea and make it happen. It's fucking great. It's have awful. You, it's great. It's have awful. You seen the, uh, it's the great. South- it's awful. It's great. Have you seen the South Park episode? Uh, yeah. Basically, yeah. Trips on and it. I didn't. Yeah, and I didn't get the uh, uh, the reference at the time. I was like, oh, they're making fun of that trapped in the closet thing. But there's like Weird Al Yankovic did trapped at the drive through, and it's yep. like spot on, perfect. Uh, <laughs> there, there are all these trapped in those on YouTube, but none of them. While while a lot of them are quality, none of them are quite as funny or insane as the original. I, I got to tell you, go watch at least the first four or so. The, the music is actually pretty catchy, but after a while, uh, I can't even, story, I can't even I, tell you th- what it is about it that's so crazy. There, if I told you, and then this happened, then that happened, you'd go, uh, yeah, and? But you need to watch it with the level of drama that he applies to dumbass shit. It is incredible. <laughs> the story I want to hear, though, is how did you arrive at this? Like... What inspires you to suddenly in 2017? Hey, I'm gonna watch Trapped in the Closet. Fuck, that's a good question. I I think I was going down a YouTube rabbit hole like you do. <laughs> I'm not really sure what sparked it all. It must have been some suggestion from YouTube saying, "Hey, here's some crazy mind cancer you need right now," and I went for it. <laughs> <laughs> crazy mind cancer. Yeah. That could be our new slogan. <laughs> wow. Uh. 
And goddamn it, honestly, you weren't right. I'm honestly speechless. Uh, I don't really know how to react to this news, Eric. Just it's after we're done, just watch <laughs> at least one, and and then you can go. Oh, that's what he meant. Because uh, yeah, I, I didn't even catch it the first time around, so I'm not sure yeah. if I'm up for the second time. Yeah, I didn't care. I'm, that's the I'm thing. I'm satisfied I, with the Weird Al version, honestly. The <laughs> yeah, only go thing that. that embarrasses me about all of this is that it proves just how sort of middle-aged, out-of-touch white I am that it's 12 <laughs> years later and I'm like, oh, dude, no way. I can't even tell anybody about it because they're like, yeah, where were you? Yeah. Oh, dude, dude, have you heard this band called My Chemical Romance? You should check them out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I hear Rent is really going to make it on Broadway. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. God damn it. All right. So that's it. The R. Kelly, that's all you've got for the week. That's That's amazing. That took him one. all week to watch all that shit. <laughs> I did. They're all on YouTube. They are all on YouTube. <laughs> Everything. No, I'm on saying YouTube. it's that long. Everything's and, on YouTube. And uh, uh, the guy from uh, uh, The Wire is in it, so you know that it's cult. It's like there's the <laughs> it, the entire cast of The Wire shows up somewhere and everywhere. It's really. Yeah. I, I I bug the shit out of my wife with that all the time. We'll watch something. Oh, that guy's in The Wire. Shut the fuck up about The Wire. And that that's like <laughs> tired the, of The Wire. That's like the new version of Harry Dean Stanton. It's like yeah. instant instant credibility uh, once you have someone from The Wire in your show. Yeah, yeah. I think Brian and I are secretly appalled. That's what I. I oh I feel no, like. I'm I'm terribly bemused by this whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> you got to well, be eclectic, son. You got to be eclectic. Well, I finally watched uh, the Adventures of Elmo and Grouchland. What do you think about that? Why? Oh, I didn't. Are you seriously? Okay. <laughs> no, my son actually did go see the Emoji movie oh, the other good day. God. He was leaving. I'm like, why would you do that? And he's like, we're not expecting it to be good. And I'm like, thank God. Anyway. Uh, did he go to Valerian with you? I'm curious. No, no, I spared him Valerian. Okay, that might, that might be why. Kids rebel in the weirdest ways, man. <laughs> anyway, what did you actually watch other than Elmo and Grouchland? Uh, let's see. I had seen the Thor Ragnarok trailer again, the new Fuck one, yeah, and it looks fun. And the guy that's making it, uh, I can't pronounce his name, it's Taika Watiti. Mm-hmm. I, I guess he's a New Zealander. Um, he's got he's got a, a short filmography of stuff that he's already done, smaller films. So I kind of revisited that stuff to get a flavor. So if you've never seen What We Do in the Shadows, that movie is fucking oh, awesome. I love that movie. Love yeah. It. It is so freaking hilarious. Uh, I just, you just have to watch it. But he's in it, and he's very understated, and they all just stick to the the conceit. From I hear it's like the Spinal Tap of vampire movies. Kind of. That's a, yeah. That's it's fair. a reasonable yeah. a reasonable explanation. Uh, but it's really just ridiculous, over the top. It's like if you it's like vampire fights where they turn into bats and fly off, and then one of them gets excited and like bat fight, bat fight. I actually kept thinking of. I kept thinking of Eagle versus Shark with the idea of the cool guy who's actually incredibly uncool. Yeah. You know, it's like they all sort of have their, their uh, I don't know, their egos that they hold onto, and it's so funny to watch it fall apart. Yeah, that's, that's still on my list, uh, but I did also watch Hunt for the Wilder People, which I would highly recommend to anybody. It's, it's basically... Uh, foster kid who is sort of he's portly he's got this gangster thing going on he's sort of a a budding criminal and no foster homes will take him so the 
Child Protective Services take him out to this remote farm in New Zealand with this older couple, and Sam Neill is the like the gruff bushman uh, who wants nothing to huh. do with the kid. And then they basically wind up out in the bush together, and the conceit is that pe- people think that he's kidnapped the kid and he's some sort of pedo. Uh, when really they're just trying to make their way through the bush to get back to the house after the kid tries <laughs> to run away. And then it just sort of steamrolls from there and becomes this uh, really ridiculous just chase. Uh, where so they're it's trying about a man teaching his foster child to navigate bush. Yeah, uh, if you like. God, uh, you're welcome. Just, 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 just unsubscribing like one after the other. <laughs> No, there'd but, have to be more than one subscription for that to occur. But it's a it's a really it's a really tender, sweet, funny. It's got elements of Wes Anderson. It's got all kinds of fun stuff. But the kid in it is freaking hilarious. He just he's got the the driest delivery I think I've ever seen uh, of a child actor, and it's just it, it's spot on. So it's it's a very very sweet, funny, etc. Uh, comedy. Hunt for the wilder people. Ask for it by name. So Yay. it's wilder people, not wilder people? They call it wilder people. Okay. But maybe that's the New Zealand accent. I don't know. Um, so there's that. And then I did see Dunkirk today, finally. Oh, yeah. Uh, Eric, didn't you go see Dunkirk as well? I did not. I was going to. Okay. I punked out. Dude, go see it. It's, yeah. Uh, it's amazing. It's, uh, it is the, the most unwarlike war movie you will ever <laughs> witness he did basically everything that you expect from a war epic and sort of just turned it on its head and went nope i'm not gonna do that fuck you <laughs> and then he like went a whole other direction so it's this really tight ratchet tension through the entire thing as they're getting everybody off of the the beach at dunkirk uh oh. and he's got three parallel narratives running and then he starts kind of playing with the edits a little bit on the time frame, so you kind of see things from the perspective of the individual groups in various yeah, now phrases. Isn't each, isn't each storyline like in a completely different amount of time? Like one's a week, one's a day, and one's an hour? Yeah. The land is a week, the sea is a day, and the air is an hour uh, wow. all through the, the course of the film. And it's this, this, this tension just ratchets, ratchets, ratchets. But he does a lot of like the Inception uh, editing tricks. Because he's basically it's multiple stories running at the same time, and they all sort of overlap into each other, but then come away from each other, and he and he kind of just goes that route. So it's probably the best war movie I've seen in I don't know how long, forever. How do they sell the the differential in in the amount of time going by? Because like you know, in Exception, they did a lot of things with the sound. You know, like there was less music when things were going slower. You know, for example, or they literally would do the slow mo. Um, to sell into you know, the differentials, but you can't really do that in this movie. Uh, it they don't really address it up in your face. I mean, it starts at the very beginning. It just gives you the title, like at the the beach at Dunkirk. It just says the mole, which is the big pier where they're loading up one ship at a time. It just says one week, and then when you get to the civilian boats, it says the sea one day, and then when you cut to the pilots in the RAF then it's air one hour uh that's really all they tell you and then you they just but they actually do get tell you the time frames like that's on the screen yeah that's the very beginning to kind of just give you the geography and then they just okay intercut the stories so it uh, is it is explicitly communicated yeah but they okay. don't but they don't do any let's cut away to the german high command doing all of their bullshit it's all just very much the perspective of the english 
that are involved in the the whole debacle. And uh, it's not that so it's not that whole a bridge too far thing where there's just too many stories going on. No, no, no. This one they've stopped caring. No, it's it's not it's not bridge too far. It's not the longest day. It's not any of the the normal war epics that you're used to. He he basically just threw out the rule book and made this really intimate uh, huh. sort of thing, and it's really good. You'll like it. Cool. Bang. All right, Brian. You're All right. right. I've got I've got a couple things. Uh, first, um, I guess while we're on the topic of movies and war, I went to war uh, for the Planet of the Apes. Yay! Yay! Uh, have either of you seen that one? No. No. Okay, so have you seen the other two? Yes. I, I, well, saw, no, I, saw, I saw the you, first one. Yeah, what was that? Was that Yawn of the Planet of the Apes? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, stupidly, the first one, uh, Rise of the Planet Apes, is really the dawn of it, and then the second one, Dawn of the Planet Apes, is really the rise of it. That's what it uh, is. But, uh-huh. so that's what just you, what? really confusing. <laughs> Does that have already, something Eric's to do with a- the original movies that I don't know anything about? Yeah. Um. There's well. There's been three modern ones. The and, first one had like James Franco yeah. and John Lithgow. Right. And they're all Andy Serkis is playing Caesar, and it's it's sort of they're leading up to the 1968 original. They have they have been putting the pieces in place for that slowly but surely throughout oh. all of these movies. And this yeah. one goes much further in that direction. Which one has Mark so, Wahlberg? Or I'm thinking of something else. I don't think Mark Wahlberg ever gets involved. I mean, it's it's James Franco <laughs> that's in the first the, one. That's the one with <laughs> that's, that's uh, the, uh, that, that it's Transformers. The, or something. Uh, it's LeVar the, Burton directed. <laughs> uh, Wait, I don't. I'm totally confused now. Anyway, it's a good movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> There's apes. They fight. It's the, good. If it doesn't get a nomination for special effects Oscar, people are shitheads because. It is completely compelling. The apes, I mean, some of them only speak with sign language. Um, They all emote. They're all completely believable. Uh, In fact, large swaths of the film are really a photorealistic cartoon. Um, Which is what I like about them, because if you hearken back to the originals, it always bugs me when you can see them mouthing behind the latex monkey head. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's just it. It basically looks like a person wearing a monkey face mask. And uh, yeah, no, and this it, is a really good one. Uh, also, the 3D was actually used effectively. I went and saw it in 3D because I went with my buddy, and he doesn't usually go to theaters. And so when he does, he likes to get that experience. And and it was clearly made with the 3D in mind. Um, is Oldman good, in this one? No, this one's Woody Harrelson. Uh, okay, Oldman is, was in the last is, one. Okay. And they are not at all um, hiding their Apocalypse Now references. Not in the <laughs> slightest. Uh. Like, no, like, to the point of there's actually a wall later in the movie um, that has been spray-painted that says Ape Apocalypse Now, and it is literally the font from the fucking, like, poster of Apocalypse Now. Like, they are not subtle. <laughs> um, you know, and Woody Harrelson's the crazy... Uh, bald-headed military dude at the end of the river who's, you know, got a god complex. And, yeah, I mean, they're they're very much doing Apocalypse Now. <laughs> but with monkeys. And with yeah. all of this, we're, we're making it sound so crap, but it's actually really good. And uh, I kind of hope they stop making these 
they've they've hit a point where they've set up the the 1968 original really well. They've told a complete story. The character arcs have reached a reasonable conclusion. Leave it alone. I had my own hope for that. That you know, Caesar is is their leader. Caesar is the one who's leading them to freedom. I wanted it yep. to get to a point where they they get to freedom, and then Caesar dies, and then all the apes basically tear each other apart the way we do because we don't do well with saviors. You know, saviors get us to the next level, and then they don't tell us what to do once we get there. And well, I won't. I won't. It's like it doesn't matter movie. if you're an ape or a person. It's the same shit. I okay. I won't well, spoil the movie, but they're definitely they're definitely thinking along those lines. And one of the things that they've done is they've introduced the concept of the virus spread that made all of humanity dumb and made the apes smarter. And it spread in such a way that um, for the first time we see that Caesar's herd isn't the only smart monkeys on in the planet. Right. And we run into some of them. So there's there's a huge potential to like do exactly that if they went forward and then they can um, and then they can uh, cross over and mash up with 12 monkeys and then we can i don't know so the other thing i wanted Grape to ape. just <laughs> the other thing i wanted to call out is we've been playing uh, a lot of splatoon 2 around here and i don't think either of you have any point of reference for splatoon am i right none platoon they made a sequel to platoon <laughs> yeah platoon 2 back that would to the be platoon awesome yeah, yeah, and like, like it turns out Tom Berenger and uh, uh, Defoe aren't really dead, and so they're running around kicking some ass on 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 the Vietnamese, and maybe they're zombies. Yeah, can we uh, win this time? No. Um, yeah. No. Splatoon Universal two. Soldier. That's what it is. Platoon Two is Universal Soldier One. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Oh my God! You've you've just reframed all of you. you I, like what a retcon! I know. I think, uh, my mind is we blown. We are through the looking glass, people. Did you know that if is the middle word of life? If you can keep your head when all things about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you. <laughs> Did you know that fuck well, is the worst wor- first word and fuck you? But I'll just say this. Um, everyone on the internet thinks Splatoon 2 is better than Splatoon 1, but they're wrong. Um, they've, and that's, they've taken away the things that have, some of the things that have made the game unique. And you're, you're, saying, you're saying Splatoon, correct? Splatoon, S-P-L-A-T-O-O-N. Okay. It, is, uh, it was originally a game for the Wii U, and now it's on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, it's, a, it's Nintendo's take on an online shooter, and the deal is that like you have paint guns. And the objective isn't to kill the other team, it's to cover the most of the ground with your color of paint. And Sounds like Nintendo. It's, it's a really fun game, and, and the thing that's, that's cool about it is, you know, because it's not just a murder fest, um, your Nintendo fans, your non-hardcore gamers can actually contribute in some meaningful way, except that what they've done is they've changed the weapon balance and the map design to basically make it a murder fest. Uh, so people who are newbies and, and not Call of Duty ass wipes, um, are no longer having anywhere near as much fun in the new game, and that's a shame. Mm. So, fuck you, Nintendo, fix Splatoon 2. I'm the only person <laughs> saying it on the internet, I think. Everybody else is all, ooh, it's awesome, and uh, we're like, hey, I think we, we need a, it. we need a hashtag, we'll pimp the shit out of this. Then we'll get two viewers. 
Yeah, you go and you go and make that Reddit room, and chances are good that I might possibly maybe go to it. Uh, but I might whatever. not. Which which I is a nice not. which is a nice lead into the actual show show. Uh, Why? Yes, it is Atari Twenty Six Hundred Era. The oh. which isn't really just the twenty six. I guess do we call it the f- the four byte era or the four? It was eight bit. It was eight bit. I mean. That's the thing. 8-bit has no meaning. If Atari was 8-bit, Nintendo right. Entertainment System was 8-bit. I think what but we're... they're was, not the same. What but we're leading into is... The, I think the best phrase for it is uh, one that we can apply to it here. Basically, it was the, the era of the console wars. Well, the first one. The first console right. wars. It's the first console generation, right? And but it's, know, is yeah, it the VCS it's not just, or is it the 2600 to you? It's not... Well... It's the 2600. The VCS was like what Sears sold. It's the isn't same it? machine. No, yeah, yeah it's they the literally same machine. Just renamed but they, called, it. they branded it differently. Yeah. But I remember there was the 2600 and then the Intellivision around that same time and then ColecoVision yep. around that same time. Yep. And we'll it seemed like it. all the cool games were available on each of those three systems, which is the first time you had cross platform whatever. Then they, they call it you have now. Well, didn't they call that porting? Because you well, had no, the, the more, cassettes. ColecoVision actually had an adapter that let you use Atari cartridges with your ColecoVision. It came out like several years, excuse me, it came out like four or five years after the, the 2600 launched. And their way to get market share was to say, hey, you don't have to throw away all your games. You can buy a ColecoVision and still play all your Atari shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's also how parents were okay with it, I guess. Well, I think to set the stage, uh, just a, a brief primer, and you guys can jump in and correct me when I invariably make a mistake. Uh, okay, it's but it, primer. Primer? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I've been huffing. Just to start things off right. Yeah, I've I've been huffing primer. That's why I can't say anything correctly. It's the only way I can prep for the show. So, you. so you gotta pom- get primed. <laughs> I'm so primed. That's so fun, Tay. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so 71, I think, is when it started, right? Pong? Is that yep. c- pretty much considered ground zero for the explosion that came? Technically, it was Ralph Bayer's Magnavox Odyssey, which was Pong, and Nolan Bushnell ripped it off and made Pong in the arcades. Okay. Um, but, yes, Pong is really where and, where we start. And with this Atari. and this is the thing I like because that you brought up the Magnavox Odyssey because when I was just poking around doing some uh, background stuff to sort of not be totally lost in this whole ordeal, uh, mm-hmm. the the Magnavox Odyssey had really simple graphics apparently, but that was the one that had the, the what was it the plastic overlay that you had to put on your TV screen, right? Yeah, I, I mean that just that boggles my mind to think that that was like 40 someone years ago and now we're in this immersive uh virtual reality stuff now but at that time you had to put something physically on your tv screen in order to play the game i bet that was part of a marketing thing though look how futuristic and advanced this is you need to put something new on your tv you know well so it was literally like they couldn't output color because they were trying to keep you know the hardware was very primitive um the the problem that magnavox had with the odyssey was that they marketed it um, as if it people were confused, they thought it would only work on a Magnavox television. So anybody who didn't have a Magnavox TV was like, "Well, I guess I can't play that thing." Oh, um, so they kind of screwed the pooch on that one. But, 
But yeah, Bushnell uh, saw the Odyssey at a trade show in San Francisco. Well, then they were they were Pong, dem- they were demoing what table tennis was that it? Um, I think that was the name of the game. I I don't know what they were calling. I mean, the the very very first video game was a version of tennis played on an oscilloscope, and then the big one was before that or after that was Space War, which was running on the PDP one and all of the computer science labs, which is what. Bushnell was obsessed with. He wanted to get Space War to the consumers, and in his effort to make a coin-op Space War, because his background was in, he was a carnival barker. He was uh, literally selling baseballs for people to check at milk bottles. Um, is, is this why, because this is the other thing I read, which is kind of a sidebar, but I had read at some point, I guess five or six years ago, that Leonardo DiCaprio was attached to a movie about Atari where he was going to play Bushnell. Huh. That has since fallen apart. I think when the, the, the two competing Steve Jobs movies came out, they pretty much said, <laughs> uh, maybe we don't need to do this, and they moved on. Uh, I, I had an idea for a script for an Atari movie, but we can get to that. Um, anyway, he figured out, you know, hey, we've, we've, got, we've got this idea for a coin-operated machine, because, you know, they had, they had uh, pinball, and they had slot machines, and they had, you know, like the, the shooting gallery things at the carnivals uh so he fi- he thought he could make a, a video game amusement he wanted to put space war out with with coin op and the hmm. the story goes that i believe it was al alcorn uh who had to make pong he he was doing that as a like training project to get him ready to make space war happen and pong turned out to be a much better game sweet and it's short for ping pong correct sure might as well be <laughs> I'm just going with what I know. Sorry, you, I told you I was going to talk a lot. Uh, well, <laughs> be, before we do, do any further, because that's sort of the, the basis. Pong sort of set the scene, and then everything kind of came after. Uh, so I do have some, because I know you guys like games, uh, so I have some, some questions uh, that sort of test your, your knowledge. Ooh. Uh, so I didn't know if you wanted to do that early to kind of yeah. set the stage, or if you want Bring to do it, it later, uh, and then we now. can get in. Okay. They're kind of a jumble. I uh, didn't put them in any real order, uh, but it it brought it up because you had mentioned the Magnavox Odyssey, so I can scratch that one off. Brian knows that one. Uh, but we're talking about Pong, so we'll, start, we'll lead off with a Pong uh, question. So after Pong right. became a huge Atari hit, what was their second less successful game? Ooh. Uh, Eric, do you know? No. Their second less I mean, successful game. I mean, there were a lot of variants of Pong. There was like Quadrapong, and um, I think you're probably leaning toward Tank. Uh, it was apparently a game called Space Race, released, oh, in right. se- released in 73, which two players control a rocket ship and the first to move their ship from the bottom of the screen to the top while dodging asteroids and such wins the game. Hmm. So, all right, you got me. So, that's kind of a that's kind of a deep cut, but I thought that would be a yeah. one that nobody would get. Suckers. Um, God, it it took me so long to get one of those too. I remember it seemed like everybody had a 2600. I never had one, I, so I finally, like, I got one once it, it was pretty much over. I got one at uh, LaBelle's. <laughs> so you didn't even get 40, one of, like, the, the cheap Sears knockoff ones. You actually got an Atari. I got an Atari, 
for like 40 bucks. It was on its last legs. They were, and it was because they were selling off all the 2600 cartridges oh, for yeah. cheap everywhere. And I was like, I gotta get in on this. And so, that yeah, I like used 83, 84. Yeah, I saved up my nickels and dimes. I got. Uh, I, I got the thing. I got one of the Wicko joysticks too, because I knew from playing other people's that I hated the Atari gamepad. And I would just, you know, I'd go out and recycle cans and bottles, get four bucks together, and go get, you know, another one of these old ass games. Now that people are already moving on to what NES or something. Yeah, I the, mean, video games yeah. were dead, dead, dead. But I was like, yeah, but they're still fun, and now they're really cheap because nobody cares. So- did you go to other people's houses and play? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. That's the only way I could do it. I came to your and house. That, yeah, and, we played. And we played dopey ass games at your place. Yeah, like Atari was a social experience. Um, there's even like, one of the commercials I, I I noticed. You know, the it was a commercial for Vanguard, and they were um, they were talking about how you know, like, well, this guy will play this level, and this other guy will play the other level because <laughs> he's good at that. Is that the one with the big dumb guy at the end? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> so who destroys the... Oh, Luther destroys the gun. Alice, who destroys the gun? Luther destroys the gun. <laughs> so dumb. here, only from Atari. But I was... I, so, uh, I actually have played Atari today. Have you played Atari today? But no, the uh, one that the, the one was, I think. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. You're in the middle of a thought. Yeah, well, the thing I was I was gonna say is, uh, Atari games. The playtime on a game is comparable to like an arcade game from the back in the day. Like you only play it for a couple minutes and then your turn is done. Yeah. And that's a really different gaming experience than what people are doing today. So I think that that's what made it social. Is like I could take a turn and then you could take a turn. And you didn't have to wait very long. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing too is that was the that was a weird era because you had the the consoles coming out, and then you also had the rise of D and D. So I think there were a lot of basement rec rooms full of kids playing either video games or D and D at any given time, constantly. Mm. There were also the PC gamers who were playing long form things that, and they're saying, "Why would I want to well, play for two minutes?" <laughs> Later. Oh, we're going that far back. All right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, this, this shit really starts... So, for me, it starts with my next-door neighbors in Kansas City. Because um, we didn't have the Atari, but they did. And so we would go over there and, like, you know, Jaws would be on TV, and then we would fire up combat and air-sea battle. But um, like the, I would the biplanes. I would combat. hope that everybody has memories of playing combat. Yeah, the biplanes. That was my favorite yeah. one. I still remember when it was fun. And, See, uh, it was never fun. Combat was cheap as fucks. So, like eventually, somebody would get really good timing, and they would just be able to like kill you. And then before you could do shit again, they'd just kill you. Right, and but kill jealous. You and kill there was you. that first time you played it when your friend was like, "Hey, I got Atari," and you go over and you play, and you're both equally bad at it. And you're like, oh my gosh, we're controlling junk on the TV. I, that was really the early uh, fascination, was that the TV never did anything but play shows, and now we're actually making it do stuff. Well, for me, it was... I In never, that regard, it was fun. Well, I never had one, so it was always I had to go to a friend's house and play, and they would just wipe the floor with me, because they'd been up for five days straight playing this thing. And, <laughs> and I would come in just a total noob and had no real... 
practice with it and so i would just kind of get stuck in the middle and then they would just beat the shit out of me on the video game and then i'd be like this sucks i'm gonna go outside and so i that's i think that's the impetus of why i never became a huge gamer is because i didn't have one of my own and so it really was kind of a chore because i didn't have the opportunity to just sit and practice and play and, and gain confidence in a particular game and so it, it just sort of never held the allure for me that it does for other people so and it me, also wouldn't be much fun for you if every time you played there was somebody else you know, doing their asshole dance on you. It's why I never wanted to get into paintball for the exact same reason. <laughs> I didn't want to be the first one there and have everybody go, Pooh, you suck. Well, it's either that's, that or that's the why first. I don't play Call of Duty. <laughs> you said <Same> duty. <laughs> I did. <laughs> so there. Wah, wah. No, um, so for me, it was kind of aspirational, right? I was, I'm like seven you years said old. Ass. <laughs> and parational. He also said parational. <laughs> No one's getting anywhere today. <laughs> um, motherfucker. Uh, um, oh, I can say motherfucker and nobody... Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, I think he's giving us a primer on foul language. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> so the, the neighbor kids were my brother's age, right? And they were my... You know, so they were all older. And so for me, I'm like, you know, this is what the older kids are doing. And on top of that, I don't think that you can really disconnect the rise of video games in the late 70s early 80s from the fact that Star Wars existed but was ephemeral right like we all got to see Star Wars in 77 and then it went away yeah and and all of that Star Wars shit all of that merchandising really had more to do with that it was like we couldn't go to the movie again but we could buy the toys and reenact shit and bang them together and and a lot of video games, especially arcade games at that time, you know, had space themes. And I think that it was really people chasing that Jones that helped drive the industry in the early days. Fair. That's but a fair anyway. assessment. So. So, I mean, we were playing arcade games and then suddenly, oh my God, 1979, and now there's Space Invaders for the Atari 2600. And that was really the thing that that put the the 2600 over the top it was kind of a a novelty at first but once once they figured out they could port the arcade games and bring them home and everybody had fucking space invaders everybody everybody in fact i would i would submit that the atari 2600 version of space invaders for a lot of people is actually the definitive version of space invaders like, there are probably people who are super good at that version of Space Invaders who cannot play the arcade one for shit. Well, how many games would you say that that's probably the case for, though? I, w- I, would, um, I, would, I would wager a fair a amount. I would wager a fair amount. There, there's a few. I was yeah. actually making some notes on that. Um, I would say Asteroids. Definitely is Asteroids. arguably that. I, I certainly people were better at the home version. I mean, there are people no. who were addicted to the arcade Pac-Man, but there are other people who were, you know, who made the home version their thing because they could practice it more. Atari Pac-Man was garbage. Yeah, yeah, it like, was, but people played no, the shit out of it. It was, I, it can't, I can't say that that's the definitive version of Pac-Man. I can Not say the that Missile Command might qualify for that. I think that, I would, again, a lot of folks would be a lot better at the Atari version of Missile Command I would, than the arcade I would agree version. with that because I played more Missile Command on various Atari systems than I did ever in the arcade. I would say Warlords. That was an arcade game at first that really found its niche on Atari. I don't remember Warlords. Yeah. 
Warlords was the one where everybody had a corner and you had to play with the paddles. And you had like a breakout wall around around your corner and you had a little dude inside the, the wall and you were chucking this ball at each other. Okay. No? No no memories of Warlords? I'm so disappointed. Uh -oh. Well again, I Warlords. did you miss the part where I said that I wasn't really a gamer? Or did that just It's also that's also one you can't play alone and I never like having people around me if I can help. <laughs> Unless you can actually That's fuck one with that them. requires at least one other person to play the game, which which already is making me go, uh So, Atari, terrific for shut ins. I think that's yes. what we're learning. You know, oh, you were you mentioned the commercials earlier. That was the thing I wanted to mention. There was another commercial for Yar's Revenge. Yar that uh always made me kind of sad because it was a kid and his mom and they're playing the game and I remember thinking oh if I get Yara's Revenge my mom will want to play this with me and we can connect and it wasn't until years later I realized just how horrifying and I, a thought that it's you know because yeah I can't I can't just hang because with my mom because of the game because of your mom because well, it's my mom well that rolls you into know. another one I, I can't remember I think it was just for, for a 2600 uh, system, the commercial, but basically it was the family sitting there playing the video games, the the typical nuclear family with the parents and the two kids, and the phone keeps ringing, yeah. and basically people keep wanting to come over and, and babysit their kids because they have an Atari, but they're like, no, we're really good, we're 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 okay, we don't need a babysitter, because basically the, the, the 2600 has now brought them all together as a family, and they don't go out anymore. We never yeah. leave the house, we're shut in. <laughs> like, I'm like, and then you can just see like the newspaper starts stacking up, and there's dishes in the sink piling high, mom starts getting a cough. I mean, it's just that's, yeah, the, like, that's like what I wouldn't have been shut-ins without it, though. I mean, I I still would have I would have just locked myself in with like comic books or something. I mean, yeah, I yeah, didn't want to go outside. It was hot, and everyone's awful. Well, so. where where do you guys fall under uh, Defender? Have you did did you play it a lot or not? Oh, I played a ton of uh, often as I could. Defender. You both. Um, I'm way better at it because it's not anywhere near as difficult as the as the original. Okay. Well, here's uh, I have to say the arcade version is is the uh, the definitive version there, but I played the shit out of twenty six hundred Defender. Yeah, because Defender always bothered me because I could never play it, and it, I've I've read a bunch of stuff this last week, and the consensus seems to be that that is the most difficult game uh, to play, at least on the the twenty six hundred maybe. Um, yeah, no, not on the twenty. Too many controls. No, no, too many controls. One button. You got to do all sorts of wacky yeah. shit, like fire and pull down oh. at the same time if you want to hyper space yeah. or. Y'all you know, motherfuckers accidentally Gravatar, smart bombing. Like Gravatar is way harder because it's um, it, it's kind of it's got the same kind of controls as like Lunar Lander, where there's gravity's constantly sucking on on you down to death, and and you have to do the the asteroid style controls where you, with the thrust. But you also have to deal with all sorts of enemies that are shooting you. Fucking Gravatar is way harder than Defender. Well, here's a here's a question for Defender then, because this okay. is when I found out. So in Defender, I'm assuming this is the arcade, but I I couldn't tell you. Um, mm -hmm. But how many points do you receive for the following? Let's see if oh, see, see if you remember oh. any of this. So Landers, what's the the point? 150. Boom. That's correct. Bombers. 500? Nope. Or 200? Close. 300. Eric, how many, Eric? 300. 250. I didn't uh, care. And then mutants? <laughs> Those are 500. Nope. 300. 150. Eric's just going to keep saying what? 300. Falls. 
uh, pods. Thousand. Yep. And something called baiters. Oh, you made that are, up. No, this is a like joke, and it's going to be about <laughs> masturbation in some way, right? <laughs> Only, like you got one. Look, you're the one in your room alone reading comic books. Then just shut up over there and let him answer. <laughs> I think it was three hundred for baiter. Close two hundred. Ah, man, I'm right. way off. Yeah, but that was that's sort of the hard one. So, in in addition Those to farmers? that, uh, how many dots are there on a Pac-Man board? Oh, I do know this. It's 240. Boom. I knew Brian would know most of these. Uh, This is an easy one. This is a gimme. What classic video game has the same name as a play by William Shakespeare? Oh. Uh, Othello. (laughs) Oh, that's true. Oh, yeah. I I didn't think about that one. Uh, Boom. I was thinking of Tempest on that one. (laughs) Ah. So, so yeah. Uh, Galaga made in 1981 is the sequel to what 1979 game you know this one eric i do do i do i oh man this is just how big of a dork is brian this whole fucking podcast (laughs) i don't know brian galaxian yep ah it's good times uh what is the first video game that holds up galaxy's my favorite one like if I go to a a place that has Galaga, I will I will play it. I don't care what's so going in, on. In among my my ridiculous collection of video games, I now have an arcade cabinet in the corner, and, and it's Galaga. I I have well, it's actually got my <laughs> name on it, which is really. Yeah. Sad, I've seen the picture. Great. It's oh, lovely. I've seen it. It's awesome. Yeah, but it has like every arcade game ever on it. That's so. like Brian's version. I of, still play this shit. It's Brian's version of buying the fancy car in middle age. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> No, uh, it, I thought it really buying the was. fancy car was the version of Brian buying the fancy car. <laughs> no, <laughs> didn't you? He bought that, <laughs> but it's not fancy. It's just practical. It's fancy enough. It's practical. Anyway. Pretty goddamn fancy. He, 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 he took me for a spin in it. I'm like, that's this is fancy, <laughs> and it's electric, right? So when you drive it, it goes. It goes yeah. fast. <laughs> so there you go. Anyway. So yeah, um, so yeah, Galaga's the bomb. I will, I will play that. Wherever. I guess I really didn't go to arcades much because I don't know any of these things. I I would go on occasion and go, oh, I this is I guess fun. But at, what bugged me is that you know you get one quarter's worth of play, and I'm super cheap, and so I'd only play it like once each, so I could sample everything. But I I couldn't afford to get good at anything, and. Certainly, there wasn't enough time to enjoy anything. It wasn't until it actually came out in the home that yeah, I could. That you could play it over and over. Well, that's the thing. is so, yeah. so when the, when the, the VCS or slash 2600 uh, came out in 1977, mm-hmm. uh, do, do you recall what the going price was for that thing? It was 199 Right. Do you know what that is in today's standards? Like 800 bucks. Yeah. That that I read that and I made the did the math and that fucking floored me, and I, I'm amazed that they sold as many as they did because that's a lot of a lot of cash. That's there's always been early adopters. There's always been people willing to throw money down for the latest thing. Oh, I mean, crazy. VCRs were yeah un- yeah an, a princely sum, flat screen TVs, all of it, just so that you can say you got something a little better. And what's so funny is you just got there a little earlier to get something a little shittier. 
How much of that's driven by like single men trying to impress people and like decking out their bachelor yeah. pads, hoping to get laid? But that's the best part. Is video it's, game. It's okay. We'll just call it an eight hundred dollar uh, game system. Penis enhancement. And okay. the thing, well, at least the early ones, until they went to the Darth Vader model, as they call it, which is all black. But the early ones had that wood paneling, which I assume yeah. is they mm-hmm. just they just assumed that it was going to fit in rec rooms uh, across the nation. And so they just knew that wood paneling was going to be the way it was going to fit in. So I was wondering about that. But it's just maybe, a, or maybe it's just they hadn't gotten into you know design yet to make it look different. It's like we we just need to make it fit with everything else. Well, cars had wood panel. Everything had wood panel. I mean, it was like kitchens were avocado and harvest gold. I mean, you couldn't get away from it. But I think that's even a larger discussion of. Um, what do you call that kind of design? Ugly? Uh, environmental design? Shit. No, environment the, the design you're designing for your environment. <laughs> your you know, it's like at some oh, point oh. up until the 70s we were still in some way connected to I don't know, nature. Yeah. But then we decided no, we want to be machines and everything became glossy and black and Yeah. yeah. But the thing but So it was the last gasp of the hippies. Mm, sure. Or the last gasp of the west. I don't know. But the fact that it had wood paneling just kills me. But then they but the the design changed over I mean it was just a really short like 6 years or whatever uh between 77 and 83 I guess we'll call it. Uh yeah. where they took out some switches and they put they put some controller ports on the back and they did all this stuff. Uh I mean they they really did it up, but I was looking at an early version of the the 2600 and the controller ports were in the back. And that, yep. yeah, that to me... the cords are short. Yeah, and the cords are short. And that, I, for, I forgot all about that, but I remember being so irritated by that as a, as a design thing. Because, like, why would you put the thing that you need to use the most for this thing and make well, it so difficult? But think about it. Like, you also were switching out the cartridges pretty frequently because the games were so short. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. You had a really long cord to get to the television and a really long power cord. So the idea was you brought the thing out on the floor and made a giant mess and pissed off your parents. Um, you know, and had it right there next to you. Plus, it made just, it makes the most god awful sounds. Like, I was playing the Atari the other, you know, yesterday and, and today. And yeah, it, I, I feel bad for my mom because I know I subjected her to just hours and hours of god-awful beeps and bloots and bullshit. Yeah, and then you got older and then the goth music started. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there are plenty of reasons I feel bad for my mom, but that was one of the early ones. Um, I wanted to say this about the arcade games, and I don't know, Chris, if you played a lot of arcade games. For me, again, I think this explains some of... I'm I'm realizing I'm learning about myself. Tell tell us more, Brian. Um, Explore that. Well, okay, so my my mom was raising a single mom and we spent a lot of time... Your mom was raising a single mom? She was raising us as a single mom. Yeah, she wasn't raising Brian as a single mother. I figured maybe there was a single mom that was Brian's sister (laughs) and she was raising her too. I was confused. No, uh, my mom was a single mom and that meant that we spent a lot of time at her parents' house in, in Leewood, Kansas. And these, yes, you know, my grandparents, they don't want to fucking deal with us. We're like, whatever, nine, ten-year-old boys. And if we walked a half a mile across the creek, there was a mall. And so my grandpa would just give us, like, money and say, go hang out at the mall. And so my brother and I would go, and we'd blow all the money at the arcade. Get away from my son, you bother me. 
Yeah, so <laughs> So for me, you know, the the arcade was really where I where I fell in love with video games and then I was once again I'm chasing a high. I'm trying to get the best home versions of these things and that's where yeah, uh, I think my obsession with home video games. Came I from. I would just hit the arcades at the mall, and it's always I'm an addict. It's it's it dredges up such a, a sensory memory because uh, you would you would walk in and it's just this cacophonous noise of every single machine doing its bleeps and blurps and music, and it's cranked to eleven plus whatever music is playing over the loudspeaker system, plus mm-hmm. the the quarter machine when you plug in your five bucks or ten bucks or a dollar or whatever, and it's clank, 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 clank. It was almost like a pachinko parlor at points. Pinball machines are doing and, that. Too. Yeah, and then and you've got all the people talking. It was just the loudest, most ridiculous thing. But as soon as you plugged in and dropped your quarter, everything just disappeared, and you were just in the machine. It was the weirdest. It, it was fucking glorious. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's exactly like a, like a casino now. But yeah. I just, but I have, ve- I have very strong memories of walking through any mall in any town, and the the two competing things that would grab my attention are the arcade and all the noise. And then if you get near the the Wurlitzer organ store and the guys playing right uh, really loud, <laughs> those uh, those are the two competing things because you just you're you're trying to figure out where the noise is coming from. But the allure was always the arcade, so it was always a good time. So that that's a reasonable segue for a little bit more Atari history. So when the 2600 came out, actually Bushnell was put on the beach. Uh, he sold to Warner Brothers. <laughs> do you know what he did next? Tell us what he did next, Brian. I do, and that's the thing. He was already working on it when he left Atari. Because he this, realized this kills me. that um, the problem with arcades was that they were seen as seedy establishments. They were seen as like pool halls or bars or you know places where re- where kids weren't going and it's like i need to come up with a place where um i can i can convince parents to bring their kids and the result of this was chuck e cheese so Uh. the whole concept of chuck e cheese was it did not matter if the pizza was any good the kids would bug their parents to bring them to this restaurant and people are accustomed to waiting a half an hour for a friggin pizza so he he had this pizza parlor set up and Use it as a place where you could put arcade machines. It was a cash machine. And cash he gave machine. every he gave every kid like a handful, like five free tokens when they showed up. But that wasn't enough to get them very. It certainly wasn't not enough to get them to the pizza. And so then the kids would beg their parents for more tokens, and <laughs> uh, he made a shit ton of money at Chuck E. Cheese. It's like that uh, old anti-drug commercial where the guy's like, "Hey, kid, Sensamia, Sensamia." And then trying to force that that's exactly it. The first taste is free. Yeah, well, joke's on him, because I didn't go to play the games. I went for the shows. I think that the <laughs> no, stage entertainment that- at the Chuck E. Cheese was, bar none, the the best performing rat band I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, actually, it was a precursor to Westworld, really. Because yeah. if you got up on that stage and you started fucking one of those mice, oh my god, you could shoot its head off when you were done if yeah. you wanted. But, but then, but then when it goes, so you were up there fucking the rat, is what you said. <laughs> yeah. That's our Eric, <laughs> Eric the rat fucker. <laughs> oh, where the fuck did Eric go? Oh, he's up there having sex with a robot rat. God damn it! Yeah, take it, rat. Yeah. <laughs> Get the hose. <laughs> Yeah, how how come no one on Westworld has even a modicum of shame? Fuck this, fuck Westworld. I want to see what the rest of the planet is like because apparently it's tits up crazy. <laughs> Speaking of which, here's a good one. Uh, we'll drop this one in. What is the first movie to feature an actual video game? 
Uh, oh. Uh, ooh, no, I, I was about to make the wrong guess. Features a video game. Yeah, like actually. Like an existing. Like an existing, like the first one to feature an actual existing video game. Car wash? <laughs> close. <laughs> Very close. Bad guess. Very close. I got nothing. Uh, it was actually 1971's Soylent Green. No. Yeah, oh. yeah. A, a game called Computer Space makes a cameo. Oh, which was, yeah, that was a Space War. <laughs> so that was Bushnell's. That yeah. was Bushnell's version of Space War. Yeah. So you should have oh, gotten that, Brian. Space. You should have gotten that. No, I was, I was so stuck on the putting the the end screen of Missile Command and Terminator Two, which is like so far beyond the first movie that yeah. would have had a game in it. But just remember, instead com- you just guffawed at Car Wash. Yeah. The the, the great musical of our generation. Yeah. But, and you also remember that computer space is made of people. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then but, and then here's another quickie. What is the first video game to contain an Easter egg? Oh no, this I know. Because I actually did the Easter egg as a kid. This is Adventure yeah. by Warren Robinette. Yep. Um tell us, it is also tell us the a- first multi screen game. On a home console. Um, and, and tell us what you won if you found the Easter egg. You found Warren Robinette's name. So the deal here is uh, Atari is now being run by Warner Brothers, and they bring in this Ivy League douchebag, Ray Kassar, to manage these hippies. Who is, um, uh, if you switch his name around, Ray, he, it, it becomes Yar and Yar's Revenge. Which is why it's called Yar's Revenge, yeah. yes. Um and they're running it like a business. They're making these guys churn out these games. One person works on a game for like three, four months, and it comes out. And they're just, boom, boom, assembly line product. And they're getting tired of it. They, they're they like, hey, you know, we're busting our ass, and we're getting no credit, and we're getting no royalties. So Warren Robinette um, places a dot inside of an, a room you're not supposed to be able to get into that's the same color as the background, and if you get into the room and you find the invisible dot and you do a bunch of other bullshit, you can slip through the wall and get into a room that is flashing every color the system can flash that says, created by Warren Robinette. Um, <laughs> which Genius. I did. Fuck you, Yar. Um, Genius. But, but the real thing that, that's useful to moving our narrative forward is other people at Atari were had a different solution which was they formed activision uh so activision was the first third party video game software company Mm -hmm. uh four guys from atari uh, broke off and decided that the the company they would found would be all about featuring the artistry and the people who actually make the games Hmm. electronic arts also had a similar origin and both of them are now giant corporate behemoths that do absolutely nothing to promote the artistry of the people who make yeah. the games funny how that works but, but activision I remember- made the best 2600 games. yeah that was that was did. that was my Chopper memory command river raid uh moon patrol uh, did they do moon patrol moon patrol they didn't do moon patrol damn it but they did hero kaboom did hero and hero was the shit and pitfall yeah. pitfall, pitfall and, i played a shit ton of pitfall. and one of the last games i got for that 2600 because like i said i spent years trolling around for uh you know like cheap last last gasp games which is really how i do it now i seem to always get on the tail end and just buy up the cheapies uh but yeah <laughs> the, the last it was an activision game double dragon they did double dragon as a 2600 game did they it's nice. super impossible to play because now you really need to hit the 
the button and jam it to the left to do jump kicks or to block. <laughs> or It's like they have all the moves in there, but you give yourself arthritis trying to hit them. Oh, no. The absolute fucking worst is decathlon. So oh, that Activision was, that was made a version of track and field called decathlon. And this is the point where every human character in every Activision game has the same animation cycles as Pitfall Harry because, let's face it, they were great. But you had this Pitfall Harry dude and you had to do track and field events, but but unlike the arcade game track and field where you could bang on buttons really hard, you had your shitty Atari joystick, and you'd like jam this thing into the palm of your hand because you had to go left and then right really fast, and you would break the shit out of your hand and the sticks playing this fucking mm-hmm. game. And that, and that reminds me of uh, my favorite memory that I hate about Atari is that whenever you get the joystick and then suddenly like say you're playing missile command and the, the whatever the contact in the joystick to move it up left or whatever has died mm-hmm. and then you can't actually play the game anymore that is the most frustrating thing i can recall from that thing i remember trying to play that decathlon and you know whacking it back and forth trying to get him to run and 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 you know it's like oh this this sucks this hurts this sucks this hurts and then you go to do hurdles and now you got to do the same thing only you have to press the button at precise moments to clear a hurdle and you know forget it it, it wasn't even fun anymore at that that was probably the first controller thrower for me well did the yeah. 2600 actually have a trackball component later or it is- did later but it's it it doesn't matter because trying to they, the games weren't dealing with analog input so it wasn't useful it was just a trackball that was behaving like a joystick. The <laughs> yeah. thing about decathlon is if, if you had two kids playing and you looked at them from the back, it would just look like two cham- chimpanzees furiously masturbating, right? Like, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Which I guess is, there's something to be said for that. Maybe. Sure. No, I had, so I had a magazine that, that had instructions for opening the controller up and rewiring it so that a left-handed wow. person could turn the thing 90 degrees <laughs> and have the button on the right hand. Oh, nice. I still have that joystick. And I still have a joystick repair kit with all of the inner parts of an Atari joystick, should I ever break one. Do they call that Hendrixing it? They should. Yeah. I think they called it Lefty Flip or something like that. Lefty Flip. We can certainly come up with something better than that. Yeah, Hendrix. He would do that with his fenders. He would he would wire them the other way and then play them the other way around. And people would say, why don't you just play a left-handed fender? He's like, because they don't make enough of them. They fuck them up. Mm-hmm. So, Hendrix. Hendrix. I've invented a word for something that's going to have no use whatsoever. I'll forget it by the time we end. What was the name of the the magazine that you found that in, Ryan? That was probably Electronic Games magazine. Because that was one of my trivia questions. What was the the first video game magazine? It was Electronic Games. Boom. Yep. Was that Bill Mm. Katz and Arnie Kunkel, I think? Yeah, I think that's what it was, if I remember my, my reading... Mm-hmm. Uh, so what what games did you like on the 2600 what were what were your go-tos well let's go with chris do you have any uh the ones that i remember playing the most were pitfall harry uh missile command uh i think i played f- football if i remember correctly uh and then everything else kind of becomes a jumble after that because uh, I didn't own one, so I pretty much just played whatever people had laying around. Yeah. But Pitfall Harry is the one I think I probably played the most. What about you, Eric? I had an eclectic collection, as I say. So 
Uh, I, oh God, the, it, what's, what's nice is I can't remember any of the ones I hated, but the ones I did like, I remember by the end, I could only play for 30 seconds until I was bored. So that's River Raid, Chopper Command. Uh, Parker Brothers had a whole slew of Star mm-hmm. Wars games I loved. Yep. Uh, but I think only because I loved Star Wars. And the Empire Strikes Back game basically was Chopper Command, only you're firing those AT-ATs. Mm-hmm. Um, well, then that's the so thing that was, is you, that was neat. you got a lot of things that repeated uh, where they basically took an existing game and just sort of tweaked it somehow to make it new. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that I can, I can do a quick thing on mystique games. Then that's a good lead in for that oh, because they go. had all of the adult porno games that, <laughs> you know, I don't know why they thought that was a good idea, but they made all of these really horrible games, like beat them uh, and, and eat not horrible, just like, not like horrible, like, like badly programmed because they were, I mean, horrible, like, Custer's Revenge, where your idea is to run around hurdles and then rape Indian women tied yep. to sticks. Uh, and then a beat em and eat em is where, like, I guess you, you jack into, like, women's faces or something. These but, are actual uh, games. Be- yeah. yeah no, oh, yeah. In, in beat em and eat em, you're actually the, the, the prostitute at the bottom of the screen. There's guys at the top of the screen jerking off, and you have to catch their semen in your gaping mouth. Please tell me you have this game yeah. in your collection, Brian. Of course I do. <laughs> I have, and I have Custer's Revenge. Excellent. But the, the, the other one, what you were just saying about the repeating bits, I uh, don't remember the name of it, but it was this company. It was Pong, only, get this, no shit. All of the bricks are naked women. <laughs> uh, the Pong ball is a dude with an erect phallus who goes flying at the women and then, like, you know, bops one of them out. And as he returns, he has a flaccid penis. And if mm-hmm. you read the directions, the little, the bumper, I guess you would call it the thing that, you know, it bounces off of. The bumper is uh, uh, Spanish fly, which <laughs> is the 70s term for Viagra. Oh, God. And, and then as it bounces off, it's now a dude with an erect peeper again. And he goes and he, you know, zaps another naked woman on this. It was like the most juvenile, what the fuck are you talking about? Yes, but what's of. it called? Huh? Do you know the name of that game? Uh, no. Brian knows. Bachelor Party. Oh. From the Which movie? Is, no, just just think about it. The concept, these guys are like, Bachelor Party, fuck a bunch of women. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was well, reading. They made, they made a female version, though, where it's a woman as the ball and a bunch of dudes with dicks, and she goes flying at them and, like, knocking them out and going to get... I guess Spanish fly. That seems to be like a catch-all for let's have more sex in the and 70s. See, and I thought it was weird reading all of, all of the stupid, bizarre left of center games that had come out, and they actually had one for Porky's, which I did not know existed. And, yep. I, and I thought, yeah. what the? And there's like this weird graphic that I guess presumably is him peeping through the shower. Uh, Etc. <laughs> well, that was the poster for Porky's, wasn't it? No, but this is in the game. There's like an actual. Uh, thing where where Pee-wee, I guess that his name Pee-wee, is peeping through the hole of the shower, and it's all these little four-bit supposedly naked chicks. Uh, and then it turns into some, like some sort of Donkey Kong type of game, I guess. <laughs> it's just, I, I, it's just, I don't remember that at, at all. But it, I do remember, I remember that... Let's see, I had... Texas Chainsaw Massacre, yeah, and mm-hmm. where you're you're running around as Leatherface and you're cutting up, uh, uh, you know, people, and you're being hit, but you're running into I don't know, 
cow skulls and bushes, which apparently will stop someone with a chainsaw. And I think really the only point of that game was to play it when a grown-up was around to scare them. Hey, look what I'm into. Oh my God, what is that? And, and then you show them the box art. And that leads me to my next bitch about these games, is that all the games from the 2600 were basically shit and we kind of knew it because we were buying them based on the promise of the game box. Yes. Which always had great art, which always had a great promise of, in Missile Command, you will command a, a, a I don't know, a fleet of missiles to shoot missiles, and cities will live or die by your command, and then you play it, and it's just a bunch of boxes. <laughs> or or Star Raiders, where you're in charge of a spaceship, a Star Raider, if you will, and you'll shoot down other ships. And there's like all this explosions and action, and then you play it, and it's just a bunch of boxes. It, it was it was just crappy games, but you could bullshit yourself long enough into thinking that this was awesome if you looked at the cover art. I think the best version of that is a game called Mega Mania, again an Activision game. One, two, three, Um, and it's it's one of these uh, you know Space Invaders and in influenced games where you're a ship that looks suspiciously like the Starship Enterprise at the bottom of the screen, and you're getting wave after wave of enemies coming down at you from the top. And the the thing about Mega Mania is, first of all, the the game itself is compelling. They come in interesting patterns. The enemies do, and it's fast paced and really high frame rate. Uh, nothing flickers. Um. But they, you know, in the manual, they described each wave as like, you know, this whole thing is somebody's fever dream. So, like, you're being attacked by hamburgers in this wave, and you're being attacked by French fries in this wave. It doesn't look yeah. like hamburgers or French fries. It's just fucking <laughs> spaceships and stuff. It but, never right, does. It was compelling anyway. I mean, burger time. You had to take none their of the, word for it. None of the stuff looked the same from when they translate the arcade. So, I remember burger time looking pretty crappy. Oh, God. You should see the Donkey Kong Jr. on the 2600, like, it's horrific. Like yeah. Donkey Kong Jr. is all one color, and he looks more like King Kong than <laughs> well, well than Donkey Kong actually does. <laughs> Here's the one I you know what was really good. There was a. Th I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, you go ahead, and then I'll I'll pick it up. I was just gonna say another really good game was a port from Intellivision for the 2600 of Discs of Tron. I remember being blown away by that, and it was very simple. But I think it's because they they didn't try to do too much with the visuals, and they just concentrated on the game. Well, didn't but, didn't yeah, the television? Because didn't the television also have Zaxxon? Was that the one? Coleco had that one. ColecoVision. Coleco. Okay, yeah. I can't there keep it straight. There is an Atari Zaxxon, but it's I remember that it, Yeah, I remember between the two, the uh, the Zaxxon on the Coleco was way better because it was actually 3D and that kind of made Playable. you kind of made you motion yeah, sick. Look at it. And yeah. Not vomit. Yeah. I was no. surprised the ColecoVision went away as fast as it did because it was obviously superior and the Intellivision while it may have looked better than the 2600 had those re just awful controllers with that little disc that I I couldn't I couldn't make sense of well, it. Well, and it had well, that I want to get to the video game crash. I want to get to the video game crash. Well, this leads in. Let me let me well, Hold on. I wanted to give my list of of games worth playing if you have the opportunity. Uh if that's okay. Okay, well, let me mention this one, because uh, this is one I found looking around, and I want to see if you know about this at all. Did you know that there was a an A-Team game that got no, that, never, really? that never came out? Oh, that's why. Okay. <laughs> I actually did not know that. <laughs> yeah, and it's the guy that did uh, Yars Revenge and E.T. Warshaw, 
I guess this is his Howard's name. Howard Scott Warshaw. Yeah. Uh, but basically, that guy got fucked. Yeah. I really feel bad for yeah. him. Well, he actually one, made a little movie about his time at Atari called Once Upon Atari. I have it on DVD. Excellent. I'll have to look that one up. It's pretty good, but actually. The, but the A-Team game, just to kind of give you a breakdown, and this is probably why it didn't get released, but uh, you play Mr. T's floating disembodied head. And you <laughs> and you try to make you take away any nuclear warheads from uh, Colonel Decker, who apparently has decided to turn traitor uh, and is supervising the construction of some sort of nuke. Uh, <laughs> and that's pretty much all I so can find. So basically, he never he never watched the eighteen. <laughs> well, I mean, it's Mr. T's disembodied head. How much more do you need to know? Yeah. That that alone is worth. Now I gotta go see if there's a ROM of that. <laughs> well, yeah, apparently it sold twice. They, yeah. they, it would have been a success if they'd have just called it Mr. T's disembodied yeah. head. Imagine, can you imagine? It's Mr. T's Mr. Embodied Head, and then they yeah. would, you know, I pity the fool. I pity the fool doesn't play Mr. T's Embodied Head. <laughs> I'm Mr. T's Disembodied Head. Check me out. So, but apparently they had prototype cartridges Ooh. that leaked. That's awesome. Uh, so there were some maybe out there, but I didn't know if you had heard that little tidbit. But that one floored me. Okay, so 2,600 games that are actually that hold up, that are actually worth playing today, in my view. Um, I mean, Adventure is a curiosity, but whatever. Asteroids, if you can play the arcade version, it's better. There's a there's a damn fine version of Berserk, uh, for the 2600. Um, now, is Berserk, what's Cosmic? the difference? What's the difference between Berserk and Robotron? That one always uh, confused me. Oh, oh, you heretic! No, um, <laughs> I, just want, I just want clarity. <laughs> okay, so Berserk, Ireland, Scotland. What's the difference? So, uh, <laughs> Robotron is my favorite video game. Full stop. Oh, well, um, I didn't mean to insult you, Jesus. No, no, I know. Uh, so, <laughs> Berserk is, um, it's an older game. It was made by Stern. That's the one that goes, Intruder alert, Intruder alert, and has the killer happy face. Yeah. Robotron is the one made by the guys who made Defender. It was the first twin-stick shooter. Um, they You shoot with one stick and you move with another stick. Yeah, okay. Um, he designed that when he broke his arm skiing or something like that. Um... Seriously, they couldn't push the buttons, so they came up with the two joysticks. Okay, controls. okay. Um, How did he control that with his foot? He had a broken arm. No, nah, you, you could just kind of grab the joystick and move. I don't know. Yeah, he used his penis, Eric. Yeah, that's whatever. <laughs> well, um, he could have just whapped it onto buttons then. <laughs> that would have worked. <laughs> uh, and a lot of my um, arcade machine ownership is is really about my pursuit of an acceptable home version of Robotron. Okay. Um, so, um, Cosmic Arc, that was a game by Imagic. It was a two-screen game, one where you had meteors come at you from four directions and you had to shoot them actually by pointing the joystick at them, and then another one where you had to pick little, little idiots off the ground without getting shot by lasers. That one holds up. Um, let's see, I've got Frogger. So, Parker Brothers, you're talking about their games. I would argue that their version of Frogger is also on the superior to the arcade version. The, the Atari list. one? Yes, and the reason is that the frog has no fucking animations, so he instantaneously moves when you hit the stick. Where in the arcade, when you push in a direction, the frog kind of lazily goes where you want him to go, and it's all about timing. And so you have to compensate for this animation in the arcade game, and, and Atari oh, is like... That just, makes me th- that just makes me think of that Seinfeld episode where George is trying to keep his high score alive on Frogger. <laughs> and maybe the, Never mind. Um, I mentioned Gravatar. Gravatar is awesome. Uh, I had mentioned um, the 
oh god damn it what's the game that with the gond and we're making fun of the commercial vanguard vanguard um, yeah that one holds up um the version of jungle hunt can i say real quick though good. you were playing you were really into vanguard when it came out i remember mm-hmm. the commercials were everywhere and so everyone was if not talking about it certainly being talked at about it and you had it and i was like oh i'll come over and see and you're playing vanguard and you're talking about this level and i'm watching and i'm like that's it you know it's like so you fly <laughs> sideways and then you fly <laughs> upward and then you fly sideways again what is this shit? It was another another case where I was like, I knew instinctively there was something better than this, but every time there was something that I was supposed to think, oh, this is the great new thing. Well, at the time, it was kind of u- unique, but by the time you were getting around the Atari, no, 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 this is when it was new, and I would be like, what, really? Or I'm just a pathetic dork. No, I don't think it's that. <laughs> I think it's that I just I knew this isn't good enough. You know, it wasn't until uh, I started, you know, murdering people in a, you know, sandbox game like GTA that I was like, I am home. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. So a couple more I want to call out. Um, also superior to the arcade version is a game called Tac Scan, T-A-C Scan. Um, this one you played with the paddle. You had a formation of five ships, and the deal was you were flying really fast, and you had to shoot aliens, and all of your ships would fire at the same time. If one of them got hit, you just kept going. So the idea was, um, if you earned an extra guy, you had to place him back in your formation. But you could never stop moving, you could never stop shooting. Um, so it was relentless. I liked that. Um, and then, finally, um, we gotta talk about... Well, we talked about Hero and Kaboom. Those two are, are, the, are probably the two best games on the Atari 2600 from my perspective. And unfortunately, not enough people ever saw Hero. Yeah, let's talk Kaboom real quick because it can just—that's the game where the Mad Bomber is dropping bombs faster and faster, and it is—you have to play it with a paddle. And it is probably the main reason why I have a functioning Atari still, because anybody who's emulating games—if you've got a paddle game—it just isn't right. Like the controls are just fucking wrong. People try to do it with a mouse or a trackball or whatever, and it. It doesn't have the the same analog feel. It it doesn't have. There's a precision to it. Let's just you did you know, left, I bet right, you left. could make an you could make a lot of money off of that niche market if you could figure out a way to make a paddle controller with like uh, a USB connector. I'm shocked that I can't find one, but yeah. I mean it's okay because I, I I really enjoy playing classic games on the original hardware anyway. So did you have to he- um, did you have to Hendrix your paddle controller? No, no, but I did actually I did actually play it backwards. I held it with my right hand and turned the knob with my left hand the other day when I played Kaboom again. Uh, that counts. So you don't have that to counts. The Monterey Jazz Festival, he set it on fire. <laughs> oh, I forgot to do that. Damn. But yeah, let's talk about Hero. Hero was... Um, yeah, nobody played this game, but they all should. Um, you're Pitfall Harry again, but this time you've got a this, like whirly gig helicopter backpack thing, and you have lasers that come out of your eyes. Um, and dynamite. Of course, of course. Why wouldn't you? And the whole deal is you're you're diving into a mine to save miners who've been trapped from a cave in, and so you've got to like use explosives to clear out walls and avoid bats and spiders and shit and shoot them with your laser eye and don't fall in the water or the lava and and rescue the dudes and Did you say laser eye or lazy eye? The phone cut out. Laser. Okay. Right? Beams shoot out of your face. Okay. Um it is 
easily one of the most technically accomplished Atari games I've I, I can think of. It has I have never seen the end of it. It's hard as fuck. <laughs> um, yeah. But it, it has but depth fun and, and one you can play for a very long time because it's got an element of puzzle to it too. Because you, you, you're on a screen with several different tunnels and. Maybe the guy you need to rescue is in the next tunnel over, so you need to go down two or three screens to come back up two or three screens, and there's a lot of thinking. It's yeah, and you're running out of air. Yeah, and you only have so many sticks of dynamite. Yeah, yeah, it's a great fucking game. I recommend everybody go play Hero. Sounds hard. I'm surprised no. And and it's what I am always looking for when they come out with uh, those sort of uh, Activision reissue packs of twelve games. Yeah, Hero's not on it. I don't care. And, and I'm not care. sure they've ever put Hero out on one of those, but um, I'm surprised nobody has has mentioned uh, the Journey Escape game. Well, so that that's a good segue into the crash, right? Like, um, there once Activision was successful, in the following years, everybody and their brother decided that they could make video games. Um, and they just glutted the market with shit. And Journey Escape is among those. My favorite example of shovelware from the from the era is a game called Chase the Chuck Wagon, <laughs> which is actually released. It actually says on the bottom of the screen, like copyright nineteen eighty three Purina dog food. Like the whole time you're <laughs> well, playing. Well, didn't they it. also have like it's a, an adver game? Wouldn't then they also do like a Cola Wars game, like Coke versus Pepsi? You know, I. I'm not aware of that I, one, but it wouldn't surprise I'm me. Vaguely familiar I got to tell you, I though, know the, 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 I know on the NES they had one with the Noid, which I think was yeah, a Domino's yeah. pizza. And thing. I think we all avoided I, that one. I got to tell you how cruel Chase the Chug Wagon is, though. Like your control, it's like a, the first two screen game. The first screen is a maze, and there's like a dog catcher running around. You have to avoid him. You're a dog, and then there's these <laughs> like very hard to see flickering things that are flying around the screen that hurt you, and they're fire hydrants and dog bones. Um, uh, but if you can avoid the fire hydrants and dog bones and the dog catcher, you get up to the chuck wagon, and then this flashing golden bowl of dog food falls. And for the life of me, I don't know how to get the dog food. And I just watched the little doggy that I've been controlling sadly watch this dog food fall away from him to the bottom of the screen, and then it repeats. I don't know, man. This sounds it's like so it sad. really kicks in the Pavlovian response. Like it's just... uh, well, brother, you had me at hydrants and bones. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason I brought up Journey Escape is because that one I actually do remember playing, and it had the the intro was "Don't Stop Believing," but it was in that really shitty video game music, uh, <laughs> and it it's really uh, sublime, frankly. Uh, it, it 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 just really captures the the whole moment of Journey. But the basic gist of the game was that you're a roadie and you had to actually protect fifty thousand dollars in in like concert ticket money. Uh, from like a various horde of people on the way to the, I guess whatever their scarab rocket ship thing uh, was. But through the whole through the whole game, it's just don't stop believing over and over and over and over and over and over and over. <laughs> See, I thought I was going to use the music from Gyrus for the intro, but now I might have to go record that. I can send yeah. you the link. I can send you the link. It's, <laughs> it's amazing. But uh, that's the only reason I bring that up, one because it's just it's like when you're at Disney and you're in it's a small world, and halfway through the ride you want to rip out your your ears and bludgeon the next person with them until everything is just gone to black because it just infests your head and you just can't think. That's what that's what the Journey <laughs> Escape game is to me. 
So, yeah, there were a lot of games. A lot of games. And no one could move any product, so everything started getting discounted. And as soon as things started getting discounted, then those were the games that were getting bought, and all the full-price games weren't getting bought, and like all these companies go out of business in more or less the same year. Like The entire industry just implodes right around the time Eric buys his 2600. Which is, yeah. which is good for Eric. Everything must yeah. go cheaper. I cheapo, killed the video cheapo. game industry. <laughs> good job, Eric. Well, I like that everybody, if, for years and years and years, the big myth was that the E.T. game killed the industry. I mean, it just basically... Well, no, that was part of it. But, but that's the one that sort of got anointed as the the killer of this entire multi-billion dollar industry which is not well, the case it started obviously. with pac-man it started with pac-man like pac-man that was literally they made more cartridges than they had sold systems and that seems to be their, their big um, business practice right is that oh well we've got x like four million known users so we need four million cartridges so they just assumed that every user was going to buy that cartridge. And then it's like, so, and then we need like an I extra. they didn't even think it that far out. Well, that's what it feels no, like. No, they were. They actually made, they did that then some. With, with Pac-Man, I believe the numbers were something like, I don't know exactly the number, but I know they made t- 2 million more cartridges than they had sold consoles. Yeah. Because they assumed that they would sell 2 million additional consoles and 100% of owners of the console would buy Pac-Man. <laughs> and be- and, as and we- then they made the shit fucking awfulest version of Pac-Man whatever existed. As we all know, they, they took a game that's noted for its circular motif and they turned it all into rectangles. Yeah. And by the time I bought my 2600, it was a Pac-In game. Well, that yeah. was, yeah, it started yeah, with Combat. Combat was the first one that got packaged with it and then, yep. and then they switched to Pac-Man. So imagine being that kid. Oh, great. Oh, I got them both. No, they were both. They, they needed to unload those things. They probably just kept building more and more combats, so they had no choice but to pack it in, because who's going to pay Nobody. for that? Nobody. That's who. Nobody. But, but the quality of Atari games just took a dive. So, like, Pac-Man was, was the first, like, canary in the coal mine. And then E.T. was the, you know, the, the two of the one-two punch, where... Almost all the effort was put into the title screen, and the game itself is virtually unplayable. Um, and then they made a similar game to E.T. off of Raiders of the Lost Ark, which was shit. And then... Which is also that, did, that's that Weishaw guy. Yeah, and then they did a whole series of games. Do you guys remember the Sword Quest contest? Vaguely. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I actually have two of those games. And this what the, only I think only two of them came out. And this what the but the idea oh, was the Ready Player One thing is sort of loosely based on that concept. Yes, actually, like the whole deal was there was there was puzzle these these inscrutable fucking games. First of all, like I defy you to fire one up and figure out what to do. But the <laughs> idea was if anybody the, can't do the, it, it's me. The idea was that each one had a puzzle to solve, and if you solved all four puzzles, the first person to buy all four games and solve all four puzzles would win $100,000, but the games were shit. Then- <laughs> they released Earthworld and Firewall. I don't even think they released Water and Airworld, um, <laughs> and so no one ever wins the contest, but it's just this... So even Atari, which was considered like you know one of the good game makers, is putting out this garbage. And then there's all this shovelware on top of it, and people are just like, well, you know, fuck video games. Guess that fad's over. And um, wrapped up in all of this, Atari was supposed to release the NES in America. Mario, where are you? Mario! 
Mario Brothers, new from Atari. Nintendo was looking for how could they break into the U.S. market because they released the Famicom in Japan in 1983, and they wanted a they wanted a Atari to be the American distributor because they had the you know the retail access and the brand and all of that. And first of all, Atari tells them no because they're dumb, <laughs> and Ultimately, the reason that Nintendo became as dominant as they did is because of the crash from all of the, um, just everybody making games for the Atari, Nintendo put a chip in the NES that you couldn't get around, at least not without getting your ass sued off, as, a, as uh, actually I think Atari found out, um... And so every Nintendo Entertainment System cartridge had to be manufactured by Nintendo. And they had total control. They all control. had that Nintendo seal. That yeah. seal of quality or whatever. <laughs> oh, I'll, So true story about this. During the time when I was working on Nintendo games, the official Nintendo seal of quality was revamped to just be the inten- official Nintendo seal of nothing. Like it, oh. <laughs> but, um, but really what that was all about was controlling the market controlling the number of games in the market and controlling the inventory so they learned their lesson and that's yeah that's how nintendo dominated but also saved the video game industry amazing so there you go so yeah the guy that made et didn't kill it then is what we're we're uh he sure didn't help (laughs) no no he didn't but that that but i mean that guy did get screwed because he he had a whole concept for an ET game uh, uh, that got shorted because they they didn't give enough time. They this is the guy who what was his? He had some huge triumph before he this. did Yars. He, he did Yars like, Revenge, which I guess was their that, huge huge hit. That he did uh, and right. And they were like, "Can you can you make something out of this this movie license in no time whatsoever?" And it's kind of they gave him like a month. Uh, yeah, they gave him like five five weeks. Yeah. I think uh, it's all in the movie uh, yeah, uh, and, Atari and, Game Over. Which is a documentary about it, uh, and they they basically focus in on him uh, and go through. Well, his was that Howard Scott Warshaw? Yeah, it's all about okay. the sort of the the early days of Atari, and then how he basically just got royally screwed because they gave him five weeks, and then he handed him the product, and Spielberg signed off on it, and then the thing tanked. What's funny, I think, about the the Spielberg thing is that at the, he had a meeting. Spielberg and this video game designer met, and he he was walking him through his concept for the game and Spielberg was like, Can't you just like I figured you'd make something with like, I don't know, E.T.'s shooting jump or something. <laughs> you know, the 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 total Philistine reaction. And of course that's his reaction to him. Gah, I am an artist, sir. You don't understand. And in in retrospect, Spielberg was right. He probably just should have made something with you know, E.T.'s. Yeah, but this junk. is the same guy that when he redid E.T. for the anniversary, he cut out all of the guns and gave them all walkie-talkies instead. <laughs> it's yeah. like, what the hell is wrong with you, dude? <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I mean, that is, I mean, to this day, let's face it, that's what video games have, have actually been good at, is projectiles hitting things. Well, like, I, I'm not sure we've really advanced that much gameplay-wise in terms of what games can do. And, uh, just the, you know, the stuff... Please send hate mail. The, please listen to the show and send me the, hate the, mail for saying that. I think it's that. just the stuff we shoot in video games just looks more realistic now. Pretty much. So, back in the day when you blew somebody's head off with a shotgun in a video game, it was just a, a block 
that kind of became smaller blocks. Or when you raped an Indian tied to a stake. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But now you're really in there, boy. You're really doing it. I don't know. <laughs> so that's that's very old video games. Uh, I don't. Th- I think we covered everything except. The the astastic connector to the back of the TV. Oh, they cooked like which the, the, you had the, to put on with rabbit ears and a screwdriver and nothing yeah, else plugged that into it. Y- and like years y- later, y- you can't connect it to a TV. Yeah, because the, that even that uh, thing doesn't exist yeah. anymore. And let's see, it would receive uh, 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 random signals so that if you had your TV in the wrong area of the house, you'd get like static but very timed static like every time somebody turned on the blender the, the tv would go <laughs> could you imagine what that would have been like if you lived near an airport how frustrating that would be yeah. oh my god <laughs> well and and it was supposed to broadcast on channel three and it never did but if you lived in a if you lived in a uh, a city where channel three was a tv channel you had to flip it to broadcast on channel four but then you would get interference from channel yeah. three oh, i was maddening and then yeah. you, and i remember like, you would always get the inadvertent sort of rainbow pixel screen uh, when the yeah. signal would go wonky. This sort of like the, the IBM blue screen of death. Uh, it was yeah. just, it, it, I mean, the thing never worked consistently, but we didn't have any comparison for it. So it was just sort of, you just sucked it up yeah. and took it. We had yeah. no choice. <sighs> we basically said, oh boy, I suck. <laughs> I did not put this thing together properly. I am the fool here. Uh-huh. When really they just did a crap job. They they went to Radio Shack and said, "What can we make for five bucks that'll yeah, kind of work?" Well, so I got to give some credit to the people who made the games. There's a book called Racing the Beam that's uh, talks about this in excruciating technical detail. But like I said, the thing had 128 bytes of RAM. Unlike like everything else ever including the intellivision it didn't have enough ram to be a frame buffer so you, so they literally um there was no such concept as a pixel in the 2600 there is there is the photon beam that's running across your television screen at at you know 60 frames a second and all they could do was tell it to draw a different color as it was going and so the width of a pixel on 2600 is called a color clock. And um, that's why a lot of things are dependent on whether things are aligned horizontally. That's why they flicker. That's why there's the weird bars on the left-hand side of the screen. That's why most of the blocks are wider than they are tall. They had to literally render every pixel, not as a pixel, but as just changing the color of the photon beam as it was racing across your screen. The fact that they could even pull that oh. off is is kind of wizardry to me. Which is why the colors look so weird when they, they do, like, flashy rainbow color. Right. Well, yeah, like there. like the whole middle yeah. thing on Yars' Revenge is really that weird pixely rainbow-colored, like, DMC yeah. thing. You know how he did that? Uh, with, a, with a lot of coke. Magic? <laughs> it's the code of the game. He's literally pointing the the a pointer at um, the chunk of memory that stores the code to say whatever's there right now, render that, <laughs> which is actually kind of brilliant. So that's why it's got a bunch of randomness to it. Yeah. And yet, and yet, he gets blamed for killing an entire industry. When really, I killed the entire <laughs> yeah. industry by buying up all the cheapy games and going "fuck you, my man." And then you buried um, them in Mexico or New Mexico. Yes. <laughs> well, or they got 
stolen out of my car in in Mexico. I'm not really sure. Yeah, well. <laughs> But we're at ninety minutes, so we should probably sew this this sew thing it up. up. Yeah, like a because I don't think there's. I, I I think it's amazing we had that much to say about twenty six hundred games. Anything anything left to say? Anything left out? Uh, anything uh, one mentioned? final uh, question: What was the first arcade game to display high score? Oh, I know this. Eric, you want to take a stab? What was the first video game to display high school? No, sorry, I can't think of anything. <laughs> That's a shame. I was hoping I could tee you up, but damn it. <laughs> okay, so I believe the first high score was Space Invaders, but the first one with initials was Asteroids. Okay, I'll give you that. And then, and then as a bonus, as a bonus <laughs> question, what was the the first major arcade game designed by a woman? I also know this. Oh, there is a really great sexist joke in that. But, <laughs> but I think I Eric's going to... He's already talked about raping Indian yeah. women or something, so... Oh. It's something like Womb Raider, <laughs> I'm sure, but nope. I can't quite... No. You're, it's Centipede. Yeah, it is. It's Centipede. Bravo. <laughs> okay. Good show. Brian... Which was also yeah. the first, like, pastel-colored game, coincidentally. Yeah. Brian, Brian wins. <laughs> Brian wins. <laughs> And then lastly, uh, when you played video games and you managed to get your initials on the board, what were the initials that you would put? D-R-I. E-R-I? Dirty Rotten Imbecile. Oh. D-R-I. Dirty so Rotten punk. Imbecile. <laughs> yep. I put B-R-I, the first three letters of my name. B-R-I and D-R-I. You guys are gay. Is that what you put? <laughs> gay? Did you put ass? Yeah, I would put... But, but with only one T. But. Because <laughs> <laughs> I suck. Well then, uh, we'd like to thank everybody for listening. Yeah. All of one of you. And as always, we're on Twitter at MagHuge. We're on Facebook as Magnificently Huge. And you know what? We're now number, the, 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 if you do a Google search for Magnificently Huge, our SoundCloud page comes up, which is nice, except it sounds like SoundCloud is going to go out of business any minute now, so we'll be figuring something else out for that. But if you've subscribed, it'll stay the same. You won't have to change anything. We'll, 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 we'll just find a different service, but you're good. So all three of you now who are subscribing, yeah. no worries. So go to iTunes and rate us, uh, whether you like us or not. And, uh, yeah, in fact, give us just five stars if you know us. That would be a big yeah. help. And then email us all of your insults, and we will incorporate them. All right, game over. 